This is the Timepieces History Podcast, where each bite-sized show shares the story of a place, person or object from the past. Here's your host, Gudrun Lorette. Welcome to the Timepieces History Podcast. In Season 1, we're talking about people, places and objects that shape Britain. And today, in Episode 9, I'm looking at a fictional character inspired by real life, the Mad Hatter. In Lewis Carroll's novel Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, published in 1865, and in the subsequent cartoon film released by Disney, the Hatter is portrayed as a small man in a large hat, unable to sit still. Interestingly, Carroll himself never named the character the Mad Hatter, although both the Hatter and the March Hare are described as mad by the Cheshire Cat. Carroll's Hatter is an unfortunate chap. Attempting to sing for the Queen of Hearts, she orders his decapitation for murdering the time although he does escape execution. Sadly, he doesn't escape entirely. Time, personified in the story as male, decides to take his revenge by forcing both the Hatter and the Hare to live forever at 6pm, which is tea time. The Hatter constantly changes seats at the tea table, spouting riddles and other nonsense. So, if Carol is to be believed, hat makers were so crackers they spent more time at tea parties with sleeping dormice than actually making headway. However, mad as a hatter is an expression based on historical fact. Mad hatter's disease, also known as erethism, it is possible that the phrase has its origins elsewhere, but it's as good an explanation as any. So where does it come from? Well, felt hat making arrived in England in about 1830, having been popular since the middle of the previous century elsewhere. The story goes that felting can be done quicker if the material is damp. So how do you dampen the material? Well... Turkish hat makers would make their hats from camel hair and therefore use camel urine to wet the fabric. In France, the hatters used their own pee and apparently one chap was far better at making hats than anyone else. As it turned out, he was being treated for syphilis with a mercury compound and so it seemed an obvious leap to start using mercury nitrate. Many 19th century hatters afflicted with erethism could look forward to excitability, hallucinations, tremors and delirium. One sufferer, believed to be the first Mad Hatter, was Robert Cragg of Chesham, who was described in the 17th century as surviving on a diet of dock leaves and grass, and he gave all his worldly possessions away. Felt hat makers were often observed talking to themselves, drooling, and suffering from serious paranoia. Of course, it wasn't just hat making that was a hazardous job in Victorian times. Most occupations could seriously harm people, if not kill them. And if it wasn't the jobs themselves that were dangerous, then the tools or techniques, such as the mercury used by hatters, were. Children were often forced to perform some of the worst jobs, often because their small size made them nimble or better able to squeeze into small spaces. Girls were often put to work as matchstick makers, which required them to dip small sticks of wood into a highly toxic substance known as white phosphorus. The girls had few breaks and had to eat their lunch at their workstations, meaning the phosphorus got into their food and therefore their mouths. They often suffered from a condition known as fossy jaw, which caused abscesses, necrosis and brain disease. Boys were sent up chimneys or down mines. Both jobs required little people to squeeze into places. Being up a chimney to clean it out meant being wedged in at a funny angle, and a lack of protective clothing or mouth coverings meant they suffered respiratory diseases, damage to limbs and eyes, and sometimes they got stuck and died. In London, there were jobs specific to the area. Mudlarks, for instance, worked on the banks of the River Thames, searching for anything valuable that got washed up. They tended to live near the river too, as their working hours varied with the tides. 
They were usually boys, but there were some girls and elderly people mudlarking too. The Thames was especially filthy in the Victorian era, so the mudlarkers would have been searching through human waste, animal and human corpses and broken glass. There was also a risk of being swept out to sea. Down in the overflowing sewers, the charmingly named Toshers performed a similar role to the mudlarkers, but one which was even more dangerous. If they weren't attacked by rats, the tunnel they were searching could collapse, they could drown if the sluices were opened. There were also pockets of noxious fumes which formed in the sewer, which would poison them. Because of this, the Toshers tended to work in groups for their own safety, and had tools to search through the waste so they didn't have to use their hands. In 1840, it became illegal to enter the tunnels without permission, and so they were obliged to work first or last thing in the day in order to go unnoticed and avoid a fine. Well, I think it's safe to say that I'm pleased I never had to do a job like that. Um, I'm so clumsy that I probably wouldn't have actually survived my first day, so my family would have starved. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, please let me know. Thank you for listening to the Time Pieces History Podcast. Don't forget to listen next time for more quick history facts.